0: Ahmad Aubrey was out doing something that we all do um, and he was killed while on a run and I think that really has brought the idea of racial violence into a very front and center event that people in the running community um, especially white people you know can't really escape.
1: Welcome to Let's Talk About Race, produced by Together We Stand NC. I am your host, Tyrone Irving. Founded in 1976 and with over 180 stores, Fleet Feet Sports is the nation's largest running shoe and apparel retailer. Managing partner Doran Ayers and training director Nora Ayers from Fleet Feet Durham join us today for a conversation about the lack of representation of people of color in the running industry and how their store is ready to step up and make changes to address it. Nora and Jordan, welcome to the show. Okay, Jordan, let's start with you. Um, Let's talk about the history of Fleet Feet Sports, where and when the company was started.
2: So Fleet Feet was started in Sacramento, California in 1976 uh, by, by two women, Sally Edwards and Elizabeth Jansen. Uh, originally started out uh, franchising in California uh, before kind of expanding across the country uh, now the headquarters was moved to Carboro, North Carolina in 2003 and um, they've been there ever since Okay. Um, continuing to franchise
1: How many stores how many Fleet Feet locations are there in North Carolina?
2: In North Carolina there are 15 locations um, and there are 186 across the country um, in almost every state.
1: Okay. And how long has Durham and Carborough been in business?
2: So the Carborough store actually opened in 1994. So they were an established store before the headquarters moved to Carborough in 2003. Uh, And then they opened the Durham store in 2013.
1: So, just out of curiosity, why choose Carborough? If you're opening up in California, Carborough is a small town in, in the south.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if we could be much different uh, in terms of what Sacramento is and what Carborough is. Uh, I don't really have that answer. Sally and Elizabeth, they, they sold the company, uh, and the new owner chose, chose Carborough. So potentially uh, he had some ties to, to the town previous to that.
1: So out of 186 stores, you have corporate stores, and franchise stores what's the difference between those two
2: so I think from an operational standpoint there's not much difference right every uh, franchisee uh, individual owner and then the corporate stores have what's referred to as an operating partner their goals are the same to, to be a pillar in their community to support their, their local neighborhoods uh, through you know supporting active lifestyle and helping people um, you know find what they need to be active I think everyone is motivated towards that same goal um, I think it really comes down to the path to ownership so franchising a store is what most people uh, know that it is is you know having the financial equity um, to, to open a business uh, and then for the operating partners there's a path to ownership for p- people who potentially don't you know have that that financial equity um, they can still you know, utilize their entrepreneurial spirit, uh, and and be uh, owners in their markets.
1: Okay. Now, you guys have 186 stores across America. Is that correct? Yes. So let's talk about diversity. Um, Based upon the research I've done, of those 186, there are only three that are managed or owned by people of color, which breaks it down to right around, believe, 3%. Um, do you have any thoughts about why, about why that is?
2: I think to some extent it's it's uh, a snapshot of what we're experiencing as an industry at large. Um, whether or not, you know, we're doing a, a successful job of making uh, an open and diverse community at an individual store level, um, I think that kind of grows industry-wide, Right. If you have the financial means to open a business um, but this isn't something that you know from a diversity standpoint seems like a viable uh, option or something that you want to do I can't speak to the motivations of of people making those decisions Um, but when we talk about whether or not in our local communities uh, our customers feel welcome our customer base is diverse those are things that are gonna lead to how diverse is our staff right how diverse uh, are the people who are being presented with the opportunities to, to be an operating partner? Um, so I think to some extent, it's uh, maybe a little bit bigger of a question than just looking at the numbers. You know I think it's trying to dive into what are the motivations and, and who feels welcome in this sport in general.
1: So are you saying that the demographics, the demographic, demographics dictate store ownership and the staff of the store?
2: No, I think what, what I'm trying to say is when we speak to hiring and and talent pool and and that kind of, you know, if we can have someone who's working part time at a store sees this as a career opportunity, if we're not successfully winning at that moment, I think it maybe it offsets kind of a larger opportunity uh, chain through that.
1: So, what's the diversity level of Fleet Feet Corporate? Because the way I see it, if your corporate is not diverse, it's very difficult to create a diverse environment within the stores.
2: I agree. Yeah, I think we're less than 10% on our on our leadership team. I think across the store support team, the, the numbers are a little bit better, but still not, uh, I think, where they need to be or where where Fleepy wants them to be. Uh, but that's definitely uh, a goal going forward. With some of the diversity initiatives that they are implementing, um, specifically looking to hire a talent acquisition manager, someone that can put that focus into our recruiting um, as we move
1: forward. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Let's talk about um, there was a post, Fleet Feet Sports in general. I'm, I'm assuming that means all the Fleet Feets put on their social media pages all at once. And I'll read just the first line of that, but I want to talk about that because I think that says a lot, but in a way it says not a lot. We have remained mostly silent on systemic racism against the black community for far too long. That ends now. Now this post was posted June the 1st, which was probably about uh, five days after George Floyd killing uh, in Minneapolis. What did corporate mean? You didn't put the post out there yourself. I understand that. But corporate, I'm assuming, has some conversations about this before they put it out. And what does it mean to say that you've been mostly silent? Because you're either silent or you're not. You can't toe the line and say mostly silent.
2: I think some of this stems back to the, the relationship between Fleafeed as a brand and feed individual ownership at the store levels so the brand is a representation of what hopefully our individual owners are 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 doing and actively trying to do uh, in their individual markets Uh, but I think the the mostly silent is potentially leading to things that other stores have done individually the national Instagram page is not an outlet necessarily for for individual community initiatives and I think that's that's some of this relationship is trying to speak nationally through one voice Mm -hmm. um, but also being being cognizant and uh, representative of, of what other stores may have already been doing.
1: Okay. So as a managing partner give me an idea about what has changed since then because one of the things with the social media posts on the first it gave a statement, but no strategies and no goals. Now recently, I believe there's now a statement on the Fleet Feet homepage about diversity and inclusion. Is that correct? Yes. So give me an idea about some of the things, because I think you mentioned one thing about a talent acquisition manager, I believe. What else is Fleet Feet starting to now have strategies for, for 2021?
2: So a lot of the things that, that I've been involved with uh, through My relationship with the store support team has been uh largely internal you know individual training from a a leadership level uh, about you know identifying our biases and just trying to be a little more uh, aware of the perception and and the individual decisions that we make with our businesses i've had the opportunity to uh, be a part of some uh, zoom meetings conference calls uh, virtual trainings Specifically, we worked with uh, Dr. Ashley Rosette from the Duke Fuqua School of Business, um, and she's done a lot of research in these areas. Uh, just for us personally to kind of have a voice and say, you know, how do we feel about, you know, what Fleet Feet is doing as a brand, uh, as a as a group of owners, and then she took that information to our store support team um, in a very unfiltered way, to be open and honest okay. so that we can make the appropriate changes going forward. I think all of that led into um, the diversity uh, alliance that they put together through the store support team. And I know on that side of it, that was uh, something that took a little more time because it was, uh, again, trying to unify a lot of different stores into one voice. There were, uh, it was an application process and that was all uh, vetted pretty heavily in terms of who would be selected to, to serve on that coalition.
1: So, we're talking about culture now. Um, Fleet Feet, at this point, is not very diverse in terms of their uh, leadership, uh, their management, and I'm going to assume o- overall staff. Putting out an email, social media, or a post on your website saying that you want to become more diverse, you want to change the culture of Fleet Feet. And actually, I'll, le- I'll read something that was on here, and it says, the black community is glaringly unrepresented, underrepresented throughout the Fleet Feet business in employment, customer base, corporate leadership, and store ownership, okay? That's a statement that clearly is true. But is Fleet Feet now taking that statement and saying, you know what, we're about to change? And to change that, that means changing the culture of your business.
2: Yeah, I think from an individual level, and, and again, I can only speak to some of these things from You know, overseeing one of the stores. But the training has always been there in terms of uh, diversity and and those kind of training things that we do. We've always had those things implemented. Uh, But I think it's doing the steps beyond that individual training, right? Continuing those conversations and having it be more of a a consistent voice and not a a one time thing that we've done as we've uh, joined the team so i think from a cultural standpoint yes there's a a focus on change uh, but for us or for me individually it's it's happening at the local level in the individual conversations and the individual training that we're doing with our teams Um, now again the hiring initiatives and those kind of things will be targeted more towards diversifying our team diversifying our leadership Uh, and i think once we get those things in place yeah, hopefully these things will continue to, to grow.
1: Is there a time frame for it?
2: There's not a because time saw, frame So there four
1: different things that you guys had listed um, for 2021. So I'm assuming that just means four things done in this year.
0: I think there is a timeline for a couple like concrete steps. One of them was uh, hiring the talent acquisition manager. Or-
1: Um, Okay, so the next question is this, and it's going to be kind of a long question because there's another part of this. Changing culture, I believe, also means changing personnel in some capacity. Um, I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. I'm a big baseball fan. My, My favorite player is Derek Jeter. So he played for the Yankees for, I think, 20 years. When he left the Yankees, he went and became the CEO of the Florida Marlins. Now, at that time, the Marlins were probably one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. They were just horrible. He went there, fired a the general manager, uh, fired a lot of staff there, kept his manager because his manager was Don Mattingly, who he played with at the Yankees. So his goal was to change the culture of the Florida Marlins. They were losers, not just on the field, but mentally they were losers. And he always said to do that, You had to get rid of the people that had a losing mentality, to bring in winning mentality. So what he did over the last three years, and 2020 was the first year the Marlins had been in the playoffs in a long time. He hired about eight people from the Yankees that played with him or coached with him or was there when he won championships. He just said, listen, I need a championship mentality here. Now, if you take that idealism to fleet feet, are you saying that Fleet can do these things with the same leadership in place, the same ownership in place, and the same culture in place? Because I don't think it's easy to change the culture. I think there have been plenty of sports teams, plenty of businesses that have tried to change the culture by having the same people in place, but the mentality, you, you just can't ask somebody overnight, to listen, yesterday we were this way, today we're this way they can't change like that. So how do you develop a culture with the same people in place for the most part? Now I'm talking about overall. Now when it's your store, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, you control the dynamics of your store. But overall as a company, if you have 186 stores, it's 186 different personalities, 186 different cities. And if Fleet Feet is corporate and a franchise, how do you make sure everybody is on board the same way
2: i don't know if you can i think that's a hard a hard thing to do um i think one of the one of the things my head goes first is that one of the things that we do well as a brand is cater to our local communities so to some extent i think the expectation for for these kind of changes are not going to be set from the brand as a whole it's going to be set more at the individual level and again those are harder things to speak to for uh, your point I can speak to to me and and the store in Durham um, but I can't speak to to the rest of the company so uh, hopefully those are things that are, are happening those are things that uh, as a franchise business I don't know how much control I can't speak to what Fleet Feet as a brand can do um, uh, or, or initiate to these individual owners.
1: Okay, that sounds good. Let's take a break for a minute and we'll be right back.
3: The Fleet Feet Running Club is open to all. We are here to foster a community of runners and walkers who encourage, support, and motivate each other. We provide the structure, accountability, and plans. You bring yourself and your goals, and we'll help you cross those finish lines. We are kicking off our spring distance training program in mid-February, and will add in a 5K and 10K program in mid-March. Train with us, in person or virtually. We have adapted our programs to limit group size, encourage social distancing, and will be following all state and local safety mandates. Our goal is to keep you and our community healthy while providing a safe environment to exercise and support our mental and physical health. Join us. Check out our website at fleetfeetdurham.com for more information.
1: Okay, we're back. Nora, talk to me about the People's Pillar from Fleet Feet. So
0: with the launch of Uh, the diversity, equity and inclusion statement and goals from Fleet Feet, we see it really divided into two parts. The first is looking at people and the next is looking at partnerships. So with people, what that is relating to is the hiring, uh, the training and uh, the really looking at both new people coming into our business um into our uh as employees but then also looking at um our uh, existing employees to make sure make sure that we are uh training folks that we have on our teams to make sure that we're all on the same page
1: now i guess here's the, the question how do you train people to be more diverse and inclusive? Because one of the things that I look at in terms of diversity, you either diverse, or you're not diverse. You either embrace diversity or you don't, and you can't turn it on, turn it off. You can't be at home from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., coming to work at 8 a.m. and turn it back off. You you just can't do that. How do you hire and train people to? Embrace diversity
0: So I think one thing That we've seen on a whole With kind of our whole country Is is really recognizing That There are people Who You know believes something is wrong Believe racism is wrong But that just believing that Is not enough And I think that One way in which we are able to Work with our employees is that really having ongoing conversations um you know it's it's i think we know that you know there are things that you shouldn't say and you shouldn't believe um, but you know if we really dive down into um, things that you know, conversations that happen in, in the store we have a very high standard of our customer experience that we expect our, our employees to to uphold and, and Part of that is is always having conversations and recognizing that um, you know we can go in with good intentions but we also need to make sure that we're going in with a good impact right Um, that good intention having a good intention is not enough to just land a good impact you have to really make sure what you are are saying and what you are doing is, is is serving the customer in front of you and so um i i i agree with you that you know not um you know it it's not something you can turn on and off Um, but i also think that it's it's important as leaders in our community and and with our staff to make sure that we are offering and having our our store as a space that you know this may be someone's first experience with dei training um and hopefully that's You know going to change as as our our country and as our culture uh, adapts to realize the importance of this however i think you know this is this is a really important first step of making sure that those conversations happen every day not just you know the one once a year that you know you have to complete your training and check that box it's it's constantly ongoing
1: right so Part three, I guess, of your People's Pillar is about partnerships. I know you guys have a new national partnership with Black Girls Run. Um, I'm talking to Jordan earlier, we talked about the fact that some of those partnerships were already in place, but now it's official, I guess you might say. So tell me a little bit more about your partnership with Black Girls Run.
0: So I think we've had a partnership with Black Girls Run and Black Men Run um, in the past where I think we've supported them in, in ways that they've asked for it, but it's not something that we, we need to be better about, you know, going to them to really making sure that we are extending our services and, and our expertise and our ability to to help in ways that, you know, maybe they need help. And um, and then also to, you know, elevate all of the wonderful things that they're doing. So um, we I think right now we've been a little limited by the pandemic in that so so much of our 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 business is done face to face and in group events and um, in group runs. And so I think uh, over the next couple months, hopefully we can see more more progress in really establishing uh, a more thorough relationship and and building off of that.
1: I think one of the things you mentioned um was just kind of helping them out. But I think what's lost in that is the camaraderie, the conversations. When you run with somebody, you get to know them. And I think, you know, you've been a training director for a long time, you understand how people can get together and talk and learn about each other. One of the biggest things I think for businesses especially, it's not so much about a donation, but it's about donating your time and effort. Um, And it sounds like you guys are kind of on on a good, range or a good way to start to do that. Um, how often do you guys go to those diverse groups rather than coming to you?
0: I don't think in my time I have really ever gone um, or remember a time that we've really ever gone. It's it, If we've had an event, It's it has been hosted by Fleet Feet. So. That is something that I think, Tyrone, you've done a wonderful job of encouraging us to do and, and um, you know, think about that as, a, as another alternative. And um, I do hope that we will be able
1: to do that. Well, I think for me, you know, if I want to learn about somebody, I have to go to their turf. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things. It might be uncomfortable, but it is what it is. Because if you don't do it, you won't really get the full benefits of it. Um, So let's talk locally. Um, I know as a corporate store, you have limitations. Uh, But I also know that you have opportunities as a corporate store in Durham, and let's talk about in Durham. What do you hope, where do you feel you are right now in terms of diversity of your staff, your leadership, uh, and your training? With your store, Jordan.
2: So yeah, I think our, our training is better. It's it's getting better. Um, given the the resources from the store support team and our, our HR department, uh, we definitely utilize those. But uh, to the point that Nora made, we're we're having continuous uh, everyday conversation around um, the impact of what our service uh, can be uh, across our community. So. A lot of that training is is just making sure that we have a high level of consistent service um, to to anyone that comes in the store that's important for for a business in general but definitely uh, through these lenses of diversity Um, and then in terms of kind of what we can do at the local level it's it's leveraging these partnerships and and developing these relationships Uh, you know the previous question I, I thought about you know our In a non-covid world we have you know pretty diverse groups at at some of our pub runs and some of our events and those have been good uh, avenues to have conversations uh, you know in in larger group settings Uh, but i think yeah those those individual conversations and to your point going out and developing those a little bit more are things that we can be better about even that's something that is hosted by us and and I think, you know, people will come come to it and and, and enjoy that time together.
1: Uh. As a managing partner, what do you look for in an employee at, or someone on your leadership team? Um, we had Luke Rowe here, who's spent 30, 40 years in the running business. And he had, he had a great comment that I remember. He said, your people make your business. And that being said, Experiences can be good or bad depending on the people. It's not about the product because there's probably eight running stores in, in the Raleigh Durham area. So you all have the same products whether you're carrying Brooks or Nike or, what, or whatever, but your people make the difference and the reason that people come back to you time and time again. People, the reason people run with you in your running clubs. How do you find the right people to represent your brand and your store? the best that you want them to represent it
2: I think it's tough recruitment recruitment in general is hard right we're, we're short staffed we're actively hiring right now um but even having you know applicants is has been a little more difficult than I thought it would be um but yeah to your point hiring is the most important decision that I will make for the business right it's the person that is going to interact with every individual customer that comes through the door Yeah, hiring and recruiting is is difficult Uh, we are actively hiring now uh, and it's not as easy as just uh, putting a sign on the door which is what we did (laughs) or posting a job on the internet Um, I think to some extent um, we need to be better uh, in terms of hoping to diversify our staff I think we're currently at uh, 20% on staff people of color Um, so trying to be better about that I think in order to do that, we have to seek out these, these groups, right? The traditional ways that we hire uh, aren't increasing our diversity. So we need to go to these communities uh, in the same vein of, of meeting these people and running with them, uh, trying to, to advertise through those avenues as well in terms of recruiting. Um, but yeah, hiring is the most important decision that we will ever make, That that's going to be a consistent and constant touch point with every customer that comes in our door right to your point our product can be found in a lot of different exactly places right. it's not the way it used to be run specialty used to be the place to get the exclusive product uh, but now of course we're, we're fighting with the the internet as well so yeah. um, that's definitely part of what we do uh, every person that I am training and hiring on our team it is a focus uh, I try to let them know that when a customer comes in our store they should have a good experience, and when they leave, of course I want them to be excited about you know, whatever product that they got, and hopefully you we're know, helping them achieve their goals, but I want them to, to walk away thinking like, wow, like Nora was, was really great today. I want, I want that to be the right. thing that they take away, not you know, the well, technology's fun.
1: That's also the way they come back. Right. If they remember Nora's name or your name, and mm-hmm. say, you know what, when I went to Fleet Feed in Durham, I had a great experience. I'm gonna need some new shoes in about three months. I'm gonna go back. Yeah.
2: and I think sometimes we 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 get to have those uh, those touchstone moments with customers again. Those are always very promising when someone comes in and and they remember you know one of my staff by name, and then I, I try to talk to them like, well, what did you buy last time? And they're like, oh, I don't know, but you know, Nora was really great. I think right. that's a that's a, a sign that we're getting it right, right? That the the, the takeaway. Uh, wasn't a pair of shoes that they've been putting on multiple times a week for the last you know six months to a year they remembered that staff member that they were with um so yeah to your point it's it's an invaluable thing an invaluable asset right the people on the team uh, are what's going to continue to sustain the business uh the product will change uh, and and come and go but if we don't get the people part right then then we're not going to be around that's true Um, and i think a lot of that and especially in the future you know uh, the more diverse the staff can be uh, the more diverse the leadership team can be It's only gonna make our, our business more open and accepting to, to different communities.
1: I would agree Nora you've been a training director for how many years now?
0: Going on seven
1: years. On seven years congratulations for that seven anniversary. So one of your biggest jobs is going to be to run well develop and run the run groups. How many run groups does Sweet Durham have Um, what season are we in right now? Because I know with COVID-19, there's no marathons going on right now. But it looks like possibly by late summer, fall, we're back live.
0: Yeah, I think right now what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of virtual events and virtual challenges, you know, trying to keep people moving. Um, And that's really been, Kind of a part of our our business model for the last nine months um, we did we we've, we've transitioned out of the uh, in-person offerings that we had uh, around the time that kind of everything shut down in march and we we did pivot to offering some virtual groups over the next couple months um, our fall season was all virtual and then At the start of this year we we've kicked off um, we did a month-long virtual program we have slowly started introducing some in-person training back into onto our calendar Um, you know really uh, very much stressing safety and um, you know we see this as such an important part of our business in that it's important for people to to move and to be physically active and then you know it's 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 also the mental side of it and right now it's it's a stressful time for all of us and to to be able to provide a service that gets people outside and moving um, and then also gives a little bit of a social aspect is, is really really crucial so Right now, we have one program currently going called the PR Project. And that is designed as a kind of intermediate to advanced training group that's, um, it's not necessarily directed at one particular race. However, it's, it's kind of participant-led in terms of, you can pick whichever race distance or specific race you're training for. Uh, we do it on a kind of a monthly cycle. You can sign up anytime for as long as you want Um, and then we work with you to give you workouts and help plan out your training um, leading up to that race of your choice and then we will kick off next week um, our spring distance program which will be kind of half marathon marathon specific distance training and that will have both an in-person as well as a virtual option
1: okay is there a race that is a target for that program?
0: Right now it, there is it's going to be the Tobacco Road Marathon and half marathon, which will hopefully happen mid-May. Um, that is originally a race that that takes place in mid-March here in Kerry. Uh, but I think you know they have decided to push the time frame out a little bit in the hopes that they can they can host the race.
1: okay. Okay, so that's good. What are you guys doing? I know this still some apprehension about um, being around people during the pandemic. What are you doing to make your, run, your runners feel safer?
0: So we've, we've pretty much uh, restructured a lot of, of how we, we actually host the events. Um, so with our, our in-person training groups right now, what we do is we, we always meet outside um you know we're we're never indoors and um, we also i send out a uh, spreadsheet every week that gives people an opportunity to sign up for a time slot so that we're able to stagger the start Um, you know this allows us to have a group of 35 people kind of operate in the same space overlapping a little bit um, but but safely Um, we do also require everyone to wear a mask while running while warming up um, you know while hanging out and talking um, we do encourage social distancing um, you know we're, we're following all the, the state and local guidelines and mandates
1: that sounds great now let's talk about diversity a little bit about your groups and, all, and also your mentors about where you guys in terms of people of color in your running groups
0: I think in our running groups, we're probably around 20% um, people of color, um, maybe a little bit higher depending on, on the program, um, but overall nowhere near what you know, our local community, it does not reflect our local co- community. So we have work to do.
1: How would how would you or how are you right now marketing your running groups? I know you guys have a pretty strong social media and your current customers, but how do you go outside that dynamic?
0: So we do kind of similar to the way that we hope to provide a good in store experience. Um, you know, we want to make sure the training programs are a great experience, um, and some of the, and and that can lead to referrals, so it's a lot of it is word of mouth um, but of course you do have to make sure that um, you know you're understanding that if you're not in a very diverse group and your word of mouth goes out to people that they know you know maybe it's not right as diverse as you'd want um, so right now we've been um, trying to do a couple of new uh, things with social media where we're looking at um, uh, Kind of promoting our posts to a different set of customers or, or people that are um, not current customers but really looking outside of that um, and then sharing it with uh, other community groups and, and things like that um, but still lots of work to do with that
1: okay well that sounds good it sounds like you guys have a strategy let's talk about representation of people of color in the media, specifically Runner's World um, and how there are very few runners of color featured on the cover of Runner's World and that's been an issue for for a couple of people.
0: Yes, that is a big issue. Um, I think looking at, kind of taking a step back and looking at uh, representation and media coverage of just track and field, as well as distance running in general, that's not something that is typically covered um, in, you know, the New York Times or um, wherever else you're you're getting your Unless you're running the
1: New York City Marathon. Unless
0: it's it's around a, a, you know, really high profile event, such as the Olympic trials or the Olympics or, um, you know, a a big marathon major, um, and I think, you know, you kind of scale that down to already a, a looking at a population that is is under underrepresented, underrepresented, represented in that um, media coverage in general, and then it's um, you know you you just get even smaller and smaller.
1: Right.
0: Um, I think there's a really fabulous podcast that dives into the looking at the runner's world coverage um, and and covers of people of color Um, and that's it's called the keeping track podcast Um, and it's one of their episodes and they they go through kind of diving into what it means to be on the cover as an athlete Um, this is a podcast hosted by uh three different olympians um one of which who's been on the cover um and they they talk about you know the the image that's on the cover is, is what sells the the magazine right, and right. so um, you know there there are a couple of things that go into that of um mm-hmm. you know you're 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 putting a, an, an image on the cover that's going to sell it right wow. um but then Ultimately, that's perpetuating this underrepresentation. Right. Um, I think there are kind of other factors at play. To the run, uh, runner's world is kind of like the mainstream running magazine, um, but we we do see it tailored more towards distance running, mm-hmm. and um, you know there are far more black athletes in track and field, um, which is not as well represented as a sport in the, in the running magazine. Right.
1: Um, but there's two things to think about what you just said, which is, is all true. Um, the survey has shown that 14% of the Runners World magazines in 50 years have had people of color. Okay, that's one way to look at it, so I was like, well, that's not really a lot. But the other thing to think about that you mentioned, well, they want to sell magazines? So is Runner's World saying to us that to sell magazines, you must be a certain color and a certain look a certain way? Because if they're saying that 14% of their magazine covers are, are people of color, that's not a lot. That means 86% of the magazines are people that are not people of color to sell magazines. And I, mm, I have a problem with that uh, because of the fact that there are plenty of people have called that run and if we look to running runners world magazine as the magazine to read to learn more about running shoe wear apparel but yet you don't represent us why buy the magazine
0: yeah i i definitely agree i think i think this is it's part of the systemic nature of representation in this sport um, it is it is a really clear example of the whiteness of the running industry um, I think I personally think there are a lot of frustrating things about runners world um, mm-hmm. and I think that um, there has been a, a small push at least they have claimed that there's a small push to also um, you know, provide better representation on their covers of all body types. Uh, um, and this is something that also came up in that, that Keeping Track podcast of almost the like sexual sexualization right. of, you know, yep. runners. Yep. And I, th- I think they said that um, like 60 to 67% of the co- covers are actually women too. Mm-hmm. So if we also mm-hmm. think of, you know, quote unquote what sells magazine is it going to be you know that that image is is not represented or representative of the you know overall the running community um so i i think there's a whole there's there's really this reckoning that the the running industry is going through right now um and i hope we all continue to ask these questions and really dive into into the why and the who behind all of these all of these things that we look to for our information Um, because i think it's important to be able to to really look past that and then um, grow you know find new media types that are really giving voices to 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 all different types of runners
1: right i I agree
2: i think these are also things that Like, we're clearly not here to, uh, we don't have the the means to shape the industry as a whole. But these things that we are able to acknowledge uh, are things that we can control on the local level. When we look at our business, uh, specifically like our training programs, like, definitely there are are groups in our area that are, are more diverse. Like, people of color are running in different places in Durham. What are we doing? Or what are we not doing to make them feel represented right. uh, in our right. groups and make them, you know, aware that hey, you know, this is this is an avenue we're we're here as well. So uh, these larger things that we we can acknowledge. There's definitely things that, you know, we don't have to just, you know, be frustrated by them. Right. We can we can make some off. We I can agree. do what we can on a local level.
1: So that being said, let's talk about uh, two different events coming up. Uh, there's a there's an event. You guys are partnering with Black Girls Run. And what is that about, Nora?
0: So this event is called Share the Run. And it's a big push to kind of keep your momentum up in the new year. Uh, And the idea is that you can commit to running or walking uh, 20, 60, or 100 miles in the month of February. So by the time this podcast airs, Will be a little ways through february but you're still more than welcome to sign up um, registration is free we are encouraging um, you to make a donation to black girls run it's a one of the ways that we can kind of support and amplify the work that they are doing um, and then for anyone who accomplishes their goal they get a uh, 15 dollars reward to spend in our store so kind of trying to make it a, a good way to Add a little bit of meaning to your miles, keep you motivated, and then, you know, there's a little something in it for, for you.
1: That, that sounds cool. great. Second event we actually are partners with, so we decided, but together we stand, to start a an event called Maud 2.23. It's the anniversary two 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 three February 23rd is the anniversary of uh, mod Aubrey being killed in Brunswick, Georgia, last year. So. This year we wanted to build awareness of what happened because I think over the last year, there have been a lot of incidents that have overshadowed what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. So our goal here is to bring awareness from Durham to what happened five hours away.
0: Yes, so we are going to be virtually hosting a 2.23 mile run or walk um, you can do this anytime, anywhere. Um, you know, we're encouraging you to do it on February 23rd, um, and really take some time to kind of uh, think about this event and, and the impact that um, it has in you know kind of your daily life. I think um, one piece that has really um, kind of resonated with the running community in general is that. Ahmad Aubrey was out doing something that we all do. Um, and he was killed while on a run. And I think that really has brought this, um, you know, the, the idea of racial violence into a very front and center event that um, I think people in the running community, um, especially white people, you know, can't really escape. Um, and so this is a way to, to bring awareness of it and, and really kind of think about kind of where where we each stand in our, our own communities. Um, we have registration on our websites. Um, right now we are almost to 200 registrants um, over eight different states, which is very exciting. Um, and so we're just thrilled at the support and and really Thankful for together we stand to be able to partner on something like this.
1: Well, we appreciate your partnership. Uh, on our end, we're also besides the uh, 2.23 run, we're also doing two workouts. So if you don't run, if you like to work out, we have two different versions of the Mard 2.23 workout that will be available on 2. 2.22321 at 5 a.m. Uh, One of the workouts will just be using a kettlebell, a set of dumbbells, a jump rope, and the other workout will be for a commercial gym, including barbell work, kettlebell work, med ball work. But both workouts will be pretty challenging. Um, Is there anything else you guys would like to say to uh, our podcast in terms of how you're gonna move forward with Fleet Feet Durham? I think you guys are doing a great job. You, You seem very committed to it. Um, I wish that every fleet feed in the country had the same commitment you guys had to the local community in terms of building camaraderie, partnerships, relationships, um, and making your store the best store could be.
2: Now I just want to thank you for, for these kind of partnerships and, and making sure that you know, the, the goals that we've set for ourselves, you know having relationships like this to make sure that we're uh, staying focused on those and accountable that uh, is important to what we're trying to do so thank you
1: Nora and Jordan thank you for taking the time today to come to our podcast we also want to acknowledge their daughter Edith who has been here with us also thank you all for listening to this episode of let's talk about race follow us on Instagram and Facebook at together we stand NC.
0: Let's Talk About Race is developed and produced by Together We Stand NC in Durham, North Carolina.
1: Our audio engineer and composer is Chris Fitzgerald.